Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh. Yes. Should we just get rolling right into it and then? Yeah. Mystery on the rocks. Oh, yeah. Mystery on the rocks, yeah. Mystery on the rocks, yeah. And welcome to another episode of Mystery on the Rocks, a show that takes unsolved true mysteries and cocktails and puts them together for your joy. We're back. We're back. Woo! Uh, with Temporarily. me, is <laughs> the amazing Suze Kepler. Hi! The fantastic Chris Oaks. Oh, hello. This feels weird now. Ah, this used to be a, a used yeah. to be a constant thing, didn't it? And now it feels and now it's, it's unusual. Like, oh, it's it's like putting on a coat you find in the back of your wardrobe, and you're like, does that still? Yeah, you put on a go, bit of yeah. pants. Now why? And you find a tenor in the yeah. pocket. Oh, that's oh yeah, that's a good yeah. analogy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Best, best feeling ever when you put on a coat. You're like, hey, it's a tenner from. It's like when you put your winter coat away, sort of end of March. Yeah. And you and then you put it on again end of October, and you go, hey, it's a tenner. Yeah. Oh, it's got the queen on it. Can't use it. <laughs> and then Masood stands up, salutes the tenner. He has to put it on the floor and put his toe on it so it doesn't blow away, and he goes. God bless you, Mom. And then he sings the whole national anthem. The whole thing. <laughs> and and I and I make a real thing of saying Queen. <laughs> like God say Yeah. Queen. queen. Yeah, Masood's one of those not my king people. <laughs> yeah. Who'd have thunk? Who'd have thunk that he was a a proper royalist <laughs> into the queen? <laughs> um and that man that introduced us both is Masood Milas. Hello. <laughs> how are we? Uh how are we doing, guys? Uh, are, you, are you good? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. it's 2023, mm. and things have uh, really kicked off this year. Um, wow, I can't believe it. Not only do we get a new government, they're so fantastic. Yes. Because uh, when you're listening to this, we'll have a brilliant new Labour government. Um, <laughs> but not a shit one, like like I'm expecting. A really good one. Fingers, finger crossed, right? Uh, That's going to happen? <laughs> I fucking hope so. <laughs> You know, I think we're so now accustomed to loads of things happening at once yes. that I'm kind of desensitised a bit to it because it's only when Sue's just went, we're in 2023, a lot's happening. I'm like, we're, we're only in the middle of March. And like the, when you yeah. think about everything that's happened since yeah. New Year, it's like, fucking hell. Yeah, you've um, been a crazy, crazy yeah. couple of months. <laughs> the things that happened in the last few months, I seem to remember as a child at least happening over the course of a decade. Yeah, and yeah. like it seems like now that it's like, nah, they got Twitter. Like, we gotta make, we gotta fill Twitter. So let's just fucking do stuff. Yeah, I, I was saying to somebody the other day, it's like I there's one thing I think I am sad about being a parent. Well, several things, but one of the things I'm sad about being a parent is that um, 
I'll never be able to say shh when the news is on, when my kids are talking, which is something that I heard all the time that my dad would do. When the news is on, he'd be like, shh. And I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't do that now because the news is 24 hours a day and it's on Twitter. And I'm like, oh, I can't shush when I'm reading Twitter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shh. I'm trying to read all these tweets about pooping. <laughs> <laughs> like when you said being shushed as a kid while the news was on, it's yeah. like, oh, fuck yeah. It's like a memory I forgot I had. <laughs> yeah, the oh, it's not the, like yeah, the I, 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 Suze wouldn't relate because obviously when Su- Suze was six years old, she would sit there and watch the TV like that when the news was on <laughs> and go, <laughs> and go, Gooby, <laughs> hey, it's Gooby, and my mum would be like, oh, she'll be happy for hours watching him. <laughs> mum just put me on in front of the news. <laughs> oh, that'll keep her quiet. <laughs> Lucy, every time the news comes on, she goes, I don't want to watch this. Like, Mum tries to change the channel. I go, no, go for Gorby. Yeah, there was no rolling news. Imagine how happy I'd have been as a little kid. Do you remember? Actually, this is, this, is, this is a good point because you know how now it's sort of like you just get uh, breaking news. You pick it up wherever because you're always on your phone or something. Mm-hmm. But do you remember like news flashes? Yes. Oh yeah. yeah, that used to be a huge deal. Yeah, where, like yeah. if there was a news flash, it was like, "What the fuck? We interrupt this broadcast to what? What's oh. going on?" I yeah, who's so died? Much, What's yeah. happened? And it was always a siege, and then they just cut to a siege for ages. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember sieges, guys? <laughs> what happened? I, you know what? I miss a good old siege. I, 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 I'd love to see a siege. <laughs> it was just it just be footage of a building. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. You should footage of a building, and then occasionally gunfire, and then occasionally it being yeah, beat. and then it be like bah, 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 and then it cut back to the studio and go, well, we can't show you anything else from the siege. <laughs> we should do what we're drinking. Oh yes. I finished my drink. Oh yeah, mine's nearly gone, but it was really nice. What did you have? Um, basically, it is. Uh, do you remember we had when we did Vix Layton's? Uh, the, yes. We did the crossover with her, yeah, uh, thing, and she got the Neo cocktails. Hmm. Oh yeah, they were very good. Yeah, well, like, Neo, really nice. Neo are this company that do prepackaged cocktails. They partnered mm. with uh, Brookladdy. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Laddie is a distillery on Isla, and there's four cocktails in this box: two whiskey ones, uh, and mm-hmm. then two gin ones, because mm-hmm. Brookladdy is where they make the botanist. Oh. And that is a botanist cocktail. It's called the Botanist's Choice. I'll tell you what's in it, uh, and it's fucking delicious. Um, it is gin, the botanist, obviously, and then it's uh, elderflower liqueur, uh, chamomile liqueur, Ooh. citric acid, oh. simple syrup, and it's fucking amazing. Oh, I bet nice. that's so I good. Bet that's delicious. Chamomile liqueur. Mm. Ooh. Never heard of it. Yeah, that sounds delish. Oh, I'm jealous. Yeah. And also, the botanist is such a nice gin as well. Oh, yeah, that that's was, a good that gin. Was, is it? I'm going to order some right now. That was a, a lovely treat. cocktail to Ooh. get back to it, you know? What, what have you got, Suze? Well, I created something. I mixed Cascabel mm-hmm. um, coffee tequila Ooh. with a little bit of. My uh, heavenly childhood favourite, butterscotch schnapps, made by Tekien. Put that. I put those together, and then I mix them with a little Coke. You might have seen. Oh yes, drinking. Yeah. You know, tall, dark brown drink, my signature. And uh, I thought this will either be way too sweet, or it'll be like eating sweets. And it was like eating 
lovely sweets. But it wasn't as sweet as I thought it would be, actually. Yeah. It was kind of earthy. And I've called it a sweet, sweet comeback. Hey. <laughs> That's good. What are you drinking, Masood? I decided to just make a martini. <laughs> it's a good ah, old classic. Mm, staple. Haven't had a drink in a long time because I have oh. now have two children, which is... Yes. As I said to somebody the other day, it's like, listen, you know, I do love my children. They're amazing. Mm. But my soul is dead. And I need to just... <laughs> They're destroying me from the inside out. Have something to occasionally revitalize it. And something like I a agree. martini is uh, just a classic... Uh, Oh, my God, my soul is dead. <laughs> but, you know, I'm having a great time. So, Chris, what do you have for us? So so this one is called Shootout at Spankies. Oh, oh. I'm, into, I'm 100% into this. Spankies is like a, 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 it's a bar and grill. Okay. In Jackson, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and this happens in December 2008. I mean, Spanky's is not a library, wow. is it? You're not going to... It's definitely a bar and grill. Let's thing. go to Spanky's! And it's a Sunday night in Jackson, Tennessee, okay. and Spanky's Bar and Grill is crowded, and obviously, given what I said, shoot out of Spanky's, things go south. Yes. Sure. So basically, Spanky's is owned by a married couple, Angela... And you and me, I think it's pronounced you and me. You and me, by you and me. U E U H O double M I E. Yeah, I'd say that's it. Angela and you and me bond, and he's known to his friends as Homie. Okay. I think it's shortened to. So they own it. He, as well as owning the Spankies, also works as a deputy in the sheriff's department. Ah, it's one of those towns. Yeah. Now they're having. They're having a bit of marital strife, which seems to be borne about by the fact that he has a cousin working there that she wants to fire, and he just won't fire him. Mm-hmm. So this night, that cousin shows up to work again, and she is pissed. Angela is furious. She's like, she's sort of like, but the, the bar's too busy for her to have this conversation, so she just shoots right. her husband, you and me, a, a look as if to say, we'll talk about this later. Okay. Right. He just finished working uh, at the sheriff's department and gone straight to Spanky's. Uh, uh, Spanky's would open until three a.m., so it was open f- fairly late, I guess, for a Sunday. I don't know. Yeah, um, that is late. Like most places, Sunday is like an eleven o'clock close in like, my bar Jack- experience. Yeah, yeah, but is Jackson a party town? I don't know. Maybe Jackson's a party. <laughs> Jackson, Tennessee. It feels maybe? like it is. Yeah, it might be. Jack Jackson. Jackson, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, it feels like it might be. It feels like so, the whale would live there. So, uh, this wasn't a typical Sunday night, but it might have been a typical Sunday night at uh, Spanky's because people yeah. were uh, drinking heavily, uh, it, uh, you know, and some recreational drug use as well. Maybe people just having a good time at Spanky's. Angela was working the fryers in the kitchen because there was a lot of food orders that she was trying to get, mm-hmm. uh, uh, get done. And within Jackson, there was also like... Uh, a problem with uh, gang violence. There were three main gangs, and maybe this this spilt over. Uh, you and me was a well-respected sort of person, and as well as owning the place, he also was kind of like a bouncer because he was huge. Okay, and yeah. had um, the authority of being working for the sheriff's department. Gotcha. So, yeah. like, he was he was able to sort of like 
put a stop to any nonsense that was happening in his bar. Yeah. Because uh, people were sort of like, oh shit, it's uh, it's Bond. Um, yeah. So we're not going to. You Bond. We're not going to. We're not going to mess with him. Right. So a fight broke out, and he leapt over the bar to break it up, and uh, Angela saw him have some some guy in a chokehold, and at that point somebody else uh, broke a bottle over you and his head. But it didn't seem oh. to didn't seem to do anything except for just sort of like cut him. Um, yeah. And then he, even after he got smashed over the head with a bottle, uh, Bond said, uh, everybody stay calm, because it's still his gaff. Everybody yeah. stay calm. And then he carried the bloke out by the, the he had in a, a headlock, carried him out what? to throw him out. Right. Bond's rush, right. classic, the collar and the, and the belt. Yeah. yeah. But the, the fight, <laughs> the fight had made everybody kind of like scatter okay. within within the, the bar anyway um, and some had gone out into the parking lot outside some mm-hmm. had gone to back rooms and others had just gone and hidden in the bathrooms um, Angela got the kitchen to stop work uh, and mm-hmm. she'd gone straight for the till in case anything anyone was going to take it um, oh. when she got to the till that's when she heard gunshots outside Whoa. Uh, okay. but she felt a bullet go past her and she was inside so okay. uh, she dropped to the floor and then she heard somebody shout, Chief has been shot. No. And, okay. And yeah, you and me had been shot outside. Oh. But even though there was a lot of gunfire and a lot of shooting, it stopped like quite quickly. So it came out of nowhere and then stopped. Um, and she called 911 on the, on the, on the bar phone. Uh, when she went outside... Uh, like cars were scattering as well, just sort of like getting the hell out of there. And she found her husband, you and me, in one of the empty parking spaces and there was a lot of blood there. Uh, One of the customers there was a nurse, tried to save him. Uh, Right. uh, While he was still breathing, when the ambulance took him away, he died in the emergency room because the gunshot that hit him had gone through a, a major blood vessel. And I don't think it was in his neck. I pointed to his neck, but it was in his abdomen. I think. I, either okay, way, yeah. okay. he uh, he died that night. He bled out. Oh man! Right. I like, I like him. You and me. But because there was like such a, 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 a scuffle, and yeah. bullets were sort of like flying from everywhere. Uh-huh. No one knows who fucking. Uh... Gotcha. Okay. And it is. And is this one of those ones where someone? Someone. Knows. It is Jackson. You know. In Tennessee as well, where I'm yeah. pretty sure everyone in the bar had a gun, uh, concealed yeah. or otherwise. So yeah, it's a tricky. And one. it's also we're so we don't have towns like this here where mm. there's so many towns in America where like that bar will be the only bar for miles around. Yeah, and it'll be in like a strip that's got maybe twenty houses and a bar and yeah. a shop maybe. Yes, and a place to fill up your car with gasoline, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. And then there's nothing for miles and miles and miles. So we don't really have that sort of thing here. No. Uh, I'm trying to think if I've been anywhere like that where you've got... There's some towns in New Zealand who have a, that have a similar feel. There's just ah, like, there's like there's the yeah, one bar. Yeah, there's a lot of space. And there's like, yeah, a bunch of shops and like, yeah. The, and then like one petrol station and then that's yep. it for fucking miles. But they don't gotcha. really have guns out there. It's not really a gun culture in, in, in New Zealand. So it's like... No. 
Yeah, it's like imagine. Yeah, New Zealand is the version of that where it's like it's probably just someone get punched and be like, "You were a fucking cunt, mate," and that was like the punch, worst thing that happened. He, he, he fucking punched me. He punched me, <laughs> sheriff. He called me a cunt. You're, <laughs> you're a cunt, mate. Oh, okay. Um. Before. Wow, the sheriff joined in. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, uh, yeah, it's that. It, it's not a thing here. Definitely not. Yeah, Chris, what happened next? Well. <laughs> You and me, as like Masood said, Masood liked him, right? You liked the guy. I liked him. Yeah, he we did. Like a nice we guy. Like I, him. Am I going to yeah. find out that drastically well, no, that he, he was, was he a was, person? He was well liked. Okay, he oh, was okay. Uh, he was so effusively friendly that some people didn't like him because of that. So oh, like, oh, they thought he was a fake. Yeah, no, or, or just or just a bit much. Uh, he mm. um, his wife thought that he was a big old flirt, but. While he that may be true, it was everyone he flirted with. It wasn't like oh um, yeah, uh, in, in, including including like including like guys, and not necessarily in like a romantic kind of way. He was just fucking open arms to everybody. Yeah, uh, complimented them all the time. Just just a just a nice bloke, but mm. maybe a little bit overbearing with it sometimes. Mm. The kind um, of guy that gives you like a really big bear hug, and you're like, that's cool. Don't have to do that too much. Time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was well liked by the community, which means he was fucking adored by his family. And mm. um, when the police department failed to look into it properly or even turn up any results as to who might have shot him, they put up a fifteen thousand dollar reward. So wow. like the family mm. did the family did ten thousand and then Angela, his wife, uh, added an extra five thousand onto that, so there was a fifteen thousand dollar reward. There were posters right. on buses advertising that reward, but even the reward didn't do anything. Now maybe that was right. because if anybody did know anything, they're not going to be a grass because, like, yeah, t- it's more like Jackson. That's Jackson it. had the three these three big gangs as well. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Did you say that all three of them big were gangs the... and one big buff? <laughs> <laughs> Musker hounds are always ready. <laughs> one of the gangs is called a musker hounds, and no one had any respect for them. <laughs> um, uh, so it took like it was seven years. The seven years went on. Two thousand and fifteen, still nothing. Bloody wow. hell! Right? Yeah. Okay. No one was coming forward with any information. The police uh-huh. were turning up no results, and even that fifteen thousand dollar reward hadn't been an incentive for anybody to even like attempt. Consider wow. Huh. Uh, it it threw the family into debt, obviously. Right. That, I mean, like, that's that's a lot of money. Um, mm. Even mm. if they were doing quite well from their uh, respective jobs, like it's still an awful lot of money to throw at this this uh, uh, this one thing. Obviously, they didn't have to pay that fifteen thousand dollars unless somebody came with any information. But because yeah. they were keeping constant, like, um, let us get justice for. Right. Uh, yeah. 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 For, sure. For, for, for you it's, because... it's totally understandable there must be like a a mindset you have when something like that happens that you're like well 15 grand will almost bring him back yeah it's it, there must be an element of that and it's really sad it's a, mm. yeah i guess I, i'm equating it to like do you ever see that show the missing the first season with mm, oh i never saw it but i know it's the show right. yeah but like the the main character like is is hell bent on finding his son, and then when the mm-hmm. revelation happens, uh, he's like, ah. and he's still and he's still like, 
you know it's like yeah. it's like it's just in their head it's like they can't shake it so i think like this is what these guys are yeah. like once it's there you know even if they pay mm. the money they just be like no it's still <laughs> yeah that's like but is yeah. that justice yeah. yeah oh it didn't bring them back yeah Angela uh, had run up debts as well, uh, so she bought a lot of stuff they couldn't necessarily afford. Um, uh, and on top of that, you and me had, despite being in the sheriff's department, had ties with uh, known criminals. But then he had a massive family, so the chances are he was going to know people that were involved in uh, in crime. And he actually employed right. convicted criminals at the bar, including his uncle two of his uncles three of his uncles uh, and, <laughs> uh, and and an old family friend called Eric they all worked at the bar yeah uh-huh. and they'd all had they'd all had trouble with the law uh, but okay. he'd employed them all um, okay yeah right. he did it because he wanted to help them rather than having an in with crime he just wanted to help out these people that had fallen uh, yeah it's it's harder uh, for them to get jobs obviously yeah 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 because was, again yeah. just sort of like if i can if i can't help him then who can he'd say yeah, yeah. Um, he's an all-round good guy th- another reason why there might have been a failure for the police uh was that mistakes were made at the crime scene because the case had seemed so simple because it was just an outburst mm-hmm. of gunfire so yeah. uh, a nine millimeter round was recovered from yumi's body but two nine millimeter casings were found on the pavement near where he'd fallen and then there was another nine millimeter round was found near the building's front wall so then they were like well there's the two casings one of them hit him and then one of them hit the the bar Uh, which is where his wife was right yeah yeah. near near the wall Uh, one of the big front windows had been shattered and a bullet had torn a hole in the metal frame of the bar's front door and then there was a shooter that was between you and me and the street had just shot from close range. Hmm. Uh, witnesses named two shooters, Michael Robinson and Steve Thomas, and they were two men with criminal pasts and gang connections, but accounts differed as to how many shots had been fired. So some had two, some had three. Mm-hmm. Uh, some had five. But three witnesses bla- placed the blame for the killing on Robinson, Michael Robinson. Mm-hmm. Charlie Reeves was one of... Bond's uncles who had been convicted who was working at the bar he was working security that night and he said that his nephew you and me had been fighting with both of them uh, both of the men named Robinson and Thomas yeah. but he said emphatically to the police Michael Robinson shot you and me okay. Uh, okay. and then Arthur another of his uncles was working security in the parking lot outside said that he saw his nephew and Robinson fighting put himself between the two of them and then someone in the crowd tried to pull Robinson back, but he'd broken free. Bond stepped from behind Arthur to confront him, and that's when the three gunshots came. Hmm. I see. But there's but, only one in him. There's just the one. He's only been shot yeah. once. Okay, but, yeah. but Arthur then says the gunshots came from behind Mike. So he's saying that Michael Robinson didn't. Didn't shoot him. Okay. So basically, there's a load of witnesses, and it's enough that the confusion will have con- obviously confused them. So it's mm. not like anybody's yeah. necessarily lying, but no one can really pin right. down exactly yeah. what happened. It's 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 who shot first. Yeah. Because of all this, there's enough there for the police to arrest Robinson, right? So yeah, soon yeah. afterwards, okay. soon afterwards, they arrested Robinson, uh, mm. charged him with murder, and then they arrested the other guy, Thomas. And they charged him with aggravated assault and being an accessory. The, the, the case was being handled by 
one of the department's up-and-coming detectives, Tyrese Miller, right? Hey. The witnesses... It sounds would... like the name of a character in something. Yeah. It's yeah. a good name. So, so, so is you and me Bond, though. Like, yeah, they're all you good names. Oh, right? yeah. Um, when... That's America, isn't it? Yeah. Everyone's got a great name. Yeah. When the witnesses were grilled by the defence lawyers at a preliminary hearing a little after the uh, arrests, that's when all of these contradictions came to light. Oh, okay. All right? So they couldn't really stick anything on Robinson. Robinson. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, like, yeah, now that now that comes out, and everyone's like, "Wow!" And then he shot, and then I don't know what happened, and then all of a sudden there was a, and there was a big ship in the sky, and then his lights came <laughs> out. Oh, God damn it! <laughs> every time, every case we have, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, yeah, it all just becomes, yeah, who said what? It's all very mm. who saw. So what, yeah. Robinson, Robinson, it did go to court, and he testified. Robinson said that he didn't. He didn't kill him. The the judge didn't even wait for the defense to sum up. He referred the charges against Thompson Thomas, even the guy that was charged with assault, not murder, uh, mm. to the grand jury. And then the judge himself dismissed all charges against Robinson. Uh, Angela, the widow, ran out of the uh, courtroom crying. And then yeah. Tyrese Miller, who'd put the case together, the up and coming detective, slipped out before the hearing concluded. Oh, no. Oh. Who let? And he left his young associate. Chestnut. Hey, that's a fucking what the hell? His name, his name was Chris Chestnut. Che- Chris Chestnut. He left Chestnut, Chris who was working. Chestnut. This was his first homicide case. He left Chestnut to face the Bond family. Oh, I'm not a big fan of uh, Tyrese Miller, the detective. Yeah. Now, I just, I just uh, and then it was. Well, what's your game? Yeah, that's a bit of a cowardly move. We're like, oh, I can't. I've been doing this too long. It was after that that the uh, the case just sort of like fell apart. Thomas, who was the guy that was charged with aggravated assault, was sent to jail when police found a weapon and drugs when they raided his apartment. But right. the, the, the the weapon they seized wasn't a 9mm, so it was not the murder weapon. Okay. Well, I was um, going to say as well, these are all guys in three different gangs. I'm sure they've yeah. all got shit in their houses. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, Tyrese Miller, who maybe isn't doing a great job here, uh, no. he, was, uh, he was actually promoted to deputy commissioner. Um, yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A cab, A cab. We don't like Detective Tyrese Miller. No, uh, he's the Bond not. family certainly do not like him. They're, I bet. They, they are pissed off. Mm. Some talk because after, if you take a, a, a case like this without a solution, and then you add time to it, years and years and years and years, people speculate, and then rumors yeah. start, and then yeah. st- talk started talk. Uh, like it ended up, some people were speculating that Angela had hired somebody to kill his hus- her, uh, her husband, oh. and she was like furious about that, and obviously she was mortally offended. Mm. Sure. Yeah. Then, because of the debt, maybe she was thinking that she could get payout. Like all of this was sort of like adding into the, the 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 story that maybe she'd got somebody to kill him because mm. she'd get a payout mm-hmm. and then it would pay off the debts that she'd racked up and all of this. And it got to the point oh, where yeah. even even within the Bond family, distrust started happening because no. Yeah. So like the aunt, uh, who loved you and me like a mother. She started to right. maybe even suspect that Angela had done this. It was not. Like, That's awful. Yeah, it's dreadful. Really this sure. family were falling apart. Um, oh. That was definitely a popular thing in the in the nineties, according to several of mm-hmm. those true crime shows I'd watch, where they'd be like, "Right, ah. you kill the husband, get the payout." It was like a big thing. It was like people were just doing it left, right, and center. It's Man. funny right. that you should. It's funny that you should mention uh, true crime shows because uh, the aunt Deborah Perry. Mm-hmm. Loved uh, true crime shows, right? Oh, so she got true crime brain. Yeah. And she was watching 
a true crime show. Yes. And she decided that in order to... Bear in mind, this is seven years later now. 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, her nephew's murder has been unsolved. It's uh, making the family fall apart. Even she's distrusting his uh, widow. Uh, Rumours are spreading and all of this. The killer's not been caught. She decides that she's going to get in touch with the detective on one of her true crime shows that she's watching. And that detective's name... <gasps> get out of town. Get out of town. Don't tell me. Hold <laughs> oh, I'm glad I wore my best life for bra. <laughs> I didn't shave. I'm so annoyed you were just going to throw that on me. I'm not prepared. <laughs> oh, 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 dude. She fucking watched the documentary about the vanishing blonde in Florida oh in the God. suitcase. And then she was like, that guy fucking knows what he's doing. And she, she got in touch with Ken Brennan. Some say the Marvel Cinematic Universe might be one of the greatest interconnected cinematic things <laughs> of history. I beg to differ. I believe that Mystery on the Rocks, oh Ken Brennan Universe, God. surpasses it Do we need to send way. out a Zoom link? Is he finally going to join us? Do you want to hear the uh, description of him in this? <laughs> yes, please. Does it talk about his? Because did we do one, the one with the vanishing blonde? There was like the article was like his glistening pecs. His glistening pecs, yeah, it's <laughs> basically like a. He arrived on his motorbike. His masculine form quivering. Uh, and also, I will I will clarify that each of these. Uh, so the uh, 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 Greg Flanagan uh, article, the vanishing blonde, and this one. Mm. Yeah. They're all written by the same guy, Mark Bowden. Uh, he loves yeah. him. Well, he's got a relationship with Ken Brennan in that Ken Brennan yeah. will be like, do you want another story? Got a story. Oh. So, um, uh, basically, the luckiest you, should, man alive. Uh, uh, you should pick up The Case of the Vanishing Blonde and other true crime stories by Mark Bowden. Yeah. Um, and they're all Ken Brennan. That's, that's, three that's of definitely... them are, two of them aren't. But this uh, description of Ken Brennan, we all know what Ken Brennan looks like. We all we fucking yeah. love him. But, we, uh, he's etched on my memory. The description for this one is a muscular man with a shock of white hair, a gold chain around his thick neck and yeah. rings on his fingers. <laughs> Brennan looked the part of the hard-bitten detective. Sunglasses, leather jacket, motorcycle and cigar enhanced his gruff, plain-spoken style. Oof. Yes, Ken! Uh, I think I'm sliding off my seat. This is, uh, he is. Yeah, man. Last time I heard about Ken Brennan, I was single and I got to tell you i didn't expect the frisson that i was feeling now to be teamed with guilt listen uh, because one of our things it's been a while since we've done a ken brennan episode yeah but one of the things we love about him is his no nonsense direct style yeah man right? he just gets on with shit it's so, fantastic so deborah perry you and his aunt sees him on this yeah. show and rings him up and she starts to ask him about his background and previous experience and he says he says Look, lady, you reached out to me. I didn't call you. <gasps> I'm not going to audition for you. And then he went, cunt. <laughs> Hangs up. <laughs> I didn't like it that he um, did that. He said he'd get back to her. I love that. And then, uh, then they thought, he was oh, like, maybe he's... I'm busy. Maybe, 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 maybe he's not going to call back. But then he called back to say he's going to take the case. Now, the thing is wow. here, it says Brennan was expensive. 
Because he f- he's got a bit, yeah, right? Of he course he's he, expensive! He's the real-life Sherlock Holmes. He's got all those babes yeah, to keep is, happy. I mean, he's got babes to keep yeah, happy. as if Sherlock Holmes was cheap. He lived on fucking Baker Street, mate. I love the idea of like the 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 split screen of her and like him and he's like literally in a jacuzzi with like seven <laughs> <laughs> seven babes yeah. and and three of them are us. Can't lose it, honey. Put it down. <laughs> When's it my turn to sit right next to Ken? <laughs> oh, man. So just to retain his services cost them as much as they spent for the reward and for the poster's print run. As a 15, 15 grand plus 25 dollars. <laughs> yeah, 25 bucks. Yeah, what was it? Yeah, you, yeah. Go, with, you go with trade 15, print. 15,000 Trade yeah. print. It's super easy. Real cheap. One-sided, though. Mm. She decided that it was worth it. Yeah. So she was going uh, to pay for it. But also, she sought help from the rest of the family to see if they could cover some of the costs, uh, but to no avail. Uh, <gasps> uh, one relative told Deborah Perry that you and me had once said that if anything ever happened to him, he didn't want it investigated. Mm. Oh. Uh, That's very strange. Reckon. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What the fuck? And I bet Ken was mm. like, uh-huh. Thanks for telling me, bitch. And he wrote it down on his little notebook, his little which notebook. has got a on the front of the notebook. It's just like got like a picture of a hammer, <laughs> cracking cases and smashing faces. That's what it says on the front of it. Bashing that's a faces. Good, that's, a, that's a that's a good uh, good tag. Uh, another faces. family member uh, said that she'd already hired a private detective for twenty four thousand dollars and hadn't learned a thing. So yeah, because, because he sucked. He yeah, because he Ken. sucked. Then, He's, he saw you coming, mate. You dumb whore. <laughs> then, then they <laughs> said, "Oh well, if you if you if you give me this detective's name, we'll uh, get Brennan to get in touch with him, and maybe they can compare notes." Mm. And then yeah. this relative said, "I don't remember his name." And the aunt said, "Look, let me give you twenty four thousand dollars and see if I ever forget your name." <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> this right. Yeah. All right. Well, then she's the one what done it, obviously. Mm-hmm. I just imagine whoever the detective is, Ken Bennon just like lighting a match, throwing it on their notes and saying, I don't need to read anything you've done. And then he, he walks away. He walks away from the notes like uh, Henry Hill in Goodfellas when he blows up all the cars. Um, so they decide to just pay the money uh, themselves and uh, Ken Brennan takes the case. Yeah. Okay. Now we're off. It's going to get solved. Well, while Ken Brennan is gruff and he's no nonsense and he's tough and we... Mm. Yeah, but he's got a tender side. We know this. We've we, 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 yeah, we been there when he comes. <laughs> just tear. afterwards, he's just afterwards he's quite weepy. <laughs> don't like it when they're like that. So yeah, just like, while he gets a lot of while he gets a lot of requests, he has to turn a lot of them away. All right. Sure, sure. Uh, he can't solve all the crimes. Or he or sexual a advances. Advances. He can't, he can't have all of them. He doesn't just turn them. Uh, away, he refers them to other people because he doesn't oh. like to leave a family hanging. Hey, okay. you know what? Now love me more. I didn't think it was possible. It's like yeah, when, you have, when you have two kids, you're like, can I love this much? What if he's passing them on to Tyrese? Oh no! Can I can I just make a, a, a an observation here, which is that when we've done the last two Ken Brennan cases, mm. they've been pretty much current. Yeah, this is yeah. a cold case. Yeah, absolutely. He oh, he's not yeah. just taking on a case that's yeah, and, absolutely. And not only is it a cold case, he actually says it's a quote from him. It's as cold as it can be. Ooh. 
when he called uh, the aunt, Deborah Perry, to take the case, he said, I can't believe this guy was a police officer. He was shot seven years ago and nobody's been uh, done mm. for it. Yeah. Which is why he took the case. Yeah. Because it was oh so... Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my so, Lord. Uh, he said, and this is another quote from him, some asshole has been walking around the state of Tennessee for the last seven years bragging that he <laughs> shot a cop and got away with it. Yeah. And then he went, he got it, and, the, and he went, shot a cop and got away with it, and then he's like, rawr, rawr, rawr. Yeah. and then bad to the bone was started playing. <laughs> and then he found out, then he found out that Bond had served in both Iraq and Afghanistan, and he was like, this fucking guy served his country and his community. Oh, wow. <gasps> oh, Ken loves a veteran, war is wrong. <laughs> April 2015, Brennan yeah. goes to Jackson. Uh, Here we fucking go. There we go. Bar full and he rides there overnight on his motorcycle. <laughs> Leather gelée as well in my head. Leather <laughs> gelée. Yeah, not even a jacket. And no shirt underneath. No shirt. Oh, and yeah. just glistening pecs and arms. <laughs> so, so he gets there. His first port of call is to go and see Chris Chestnut. Uh, Ooh, who is, that old uh, chestnut. Who at this point, because it's seven years later, at this point yeah. he is a sergeant in the uh, criminal investigation unit. He's failed upwards. Deborah Perry says, oh no, Ch- Chestnut was not the... Yeah, Chestnut was on it, I know, I know. He was, he was just left in the... Uh, Chestnut yeah. was thrown to the wolves by... Uh, yeah, but uh, ACAB. Uh, well, so on that, on that, that's pretty much what Deborah Perry says, because they've done fucking nothing for seven years. Yeah! And, uh, and then Brennan says... Look, the police Shut are your our fucking mouth. He's... He says. He says the police are our friends in this. I can't do anything here without their help. True, true. Uh, and so, so he says. Just... Well, do you remember when? Oh. Uh, uh, do you remember in the, the 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 case of the vanishing blonde? He mm. was like, he put the police's nose out of joint because he was showing them up. Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. He well, was solving he, the case of like, who's this? But well, he actually at this point, by the way, this is 2015. At this point, the article has come out. Of both of those two stories, oh. I think. Sure, so he's got a name. Hmm. And he says to them, he says, a name look, for himself. he assures the police, look, I, I'm here to help the case. I am not yeah. here to show, I am not here to show you up. Um, mm-hmm. th- is there now at this point where, uh, because people know who he is, Chestnut is fucking starstruck. That Ken yeah. Brennan has come yeah. along. To my to, town, to Jackson, to this Tennessee. Case. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I there are like a handful of people I've been genuinely starstruck by, um, and and they're mostly Michelin star chefs. <laughs> <laughs> they're not like you know. mine's Edmonds. No, it's a, so basically mm. not only are they starstruck, uh, they fucking love the fact that he has got a potty mouth and is so no nonsense and looks like he could have just walked in off a cop show. Like, oh. yeah, well, we all love that. The, these police are they they are they are Ken Brennan fanboys. Sure. So they're oh, I see what you mean. So they're literally like, oh my god. He starts insulting them, and, and the next one's like, do me, do me. <laughs> if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So he took Chestnut out to lunch, explained his method, uh, and he said that he had no fucking interest in what happened earlier in the case. He didn't want to assign blame for any failings. He just wanted to find out what happened. He's such a good guy. I'm only looking forward. I'm not looking back. Yeah. Just want to Uh, find out what fucking happened, you bitches and cunts, he said to the police. (laughs) <laughs> this, we're, we're writing a, a, a fan fiction, Ken Brennan fan fiction at the moment. Uh, <laughs> there must be loads of it out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It all gets very sexy. So uh, Chestnut was like, I, even though Brennan's getting paid by the family, I could tell he's not just in it for the money. Um, and for the last seven years, this case had haunted Chestnut every day. It oh, hung up, it, it, it hung over him as like the biggest failing of his career. Absolutely fucking chucked under the a bus. A beloved member of the yeah. town. Yeah, 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 yeah that's like with, yeah. So fucked. with very little resistance, very little resistance, Chestnut handed over all of the files to Brennan. Yeah, was yeah. quite happy Great. for this. To uh, so there were the crime scene pictures, uh, <laughs> pictures from. I just thought of Chestnut going. I've been asleep for ten. <laughs> Um, so on the on, in the crime scene photographs and, and the pictures of you and me, there was there was a small cut over the eye from where you got smashed by the bottle, a hmm. uh, single clean bullet wound in the upper abdomen. The killing round had left a small hole. It had a downward trajectory, but it hadn't exited, so he bled out internally. It had just been okay. Chestnut then recapped the case for Brennan and presented mm-hmm. the overview, which was a fight had broken out in the bar. Bond had pushed it outside. He tussled with either Robinson or Thomas. Accounts varied as to either of those. Uh, shots were fired. One round hit Bond. Another ricocheted off the metal frame of the front door and was found on the pavement nearby. The big window to the right of the door was shattered and three 9 millimeter shell casings were recovered on the pavement. He explained how witnesses had first named Robinson, but then that hadn't been borne out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then Chestnut described his frustration in trying to re-interview both of those men. He hadn't really been able to. Um, Brennan listened politely, uh, took it all in, (laughs) (laughs) uh, uh, and then he just went, forget all that, let's go take a look. Oh, (gasps) (gasps) Oh! And the the police were like, hang on, 
We've waited long enough for this. We can wait 20 minutes longer. And they all took turns sucking his dick. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Brennan's still reading the reports. <laughs> yeah, smoking a cigar, reading yeah. a report and getting a, a nice uh, multi-man blowy. <laughs> multi-man blowy. That's a hell of a porn up search. <laughs> We're back, guys. We're back. Brennan says, witnesses, they're more trouble than they're worth. Evidence is what matters. So he goes and has a look. Why does he go to the crime scene seven years later expecting to find anything that will solve it? What are you going to find, Ken? Because he reaches down, finds the name of the killer. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, not only are witnesses more trouble than they're worth, the actual quote is they're a fucking pain in the ass. Yeah, Yeah, Ken. uh, That's right. uh, All he's got to do is go to the crime scene. Like lick his finger, touch the ground, put it back in his mouth, and go. I know who killed him, and then that's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is pretty much how the Sherlock TV series works. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. L- lick a piece of evidence, and you'll find well, out. You, you, we watch him think, and then he goes, "I've got it." <laughs> it, it he's got a point because witnesses say they saw things they didn't, or they yeah. uh, they, they don't say. Th- things that they did say it's like they're, they're not reliable really are they yeah especially yeah. when there's like context and vested interests from certain people that's why uh-huh. these things happen so uh, he goes there he just lets the facts speak spank his bar and grill was no more at this point uh, oh. but he goes to the place that it was uh like loads of abandoned shop fronts there was a beauty salon vacuum cleaning store uh clothes shop uh, uh and then the old spank is building uh looked the same as it did in the crime scene photographs just with mm-hmm. different frontage i guess uh, yeah. and then there was the parking lot at the front uh so chestnut again talked him through it and said that bond had fallen in the empty parking space just outside the front door uh beside him there had been a parked car and then he pointed out where the nine millimeter shell casings had been found mm. uh, brennan paced around and around yeah and then he was like trying to picture the scene and about 50 feet away the crime scene photographer had like taken pictures of spent 0.40 caliber shells. Some of them was uh, <clears throat> bent and scuffed and they'd been collected, but they weren't considered important. And it wasn't uncommon for Spanky's customers to discharge their weapons just at the sky. Yeah, classic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. This is um, amazing. Oh, yeah, they frequently just at? blast off into the air. I was They're like that meme of Frank from Always Sunny going, so I just started blasting. <laughs> so, and also because uh, the appearance of the shells, uh, they, d- they decided that they were old and also Bond had been hit by a 9mm around, not a .40 calibre. Um, yeah, sure. But Brennan is like, well, no, everything that's noted at a crime scene is important. Mm. Uh, And the trampled shells had made one cop on the scene curious enough to photograph and bag them, right? Okay, yeah. So even though they weren't, this this guy had still photographed them. So for Brennan, that was enough. Uh, They'd all been found, these .40 caliber shells, not the 9mm ones, they'd all been found within a dozen feet of each other, which were about 50 feet away from the victim. Mm -hmm. And Brennan stood at the spot and he looked straight across. He stood at the spot where the casings were found, about 50 feet away, and he looked across at the building and he was like, well, if somebody who wasn't that skilled a shooter and was right-handed would find that the kick, they'd pull his arm to the right. Mm-hmm. Of this gun, yeah, yeah the forty-five yeah. caliber, yeah. So because of that, he was convinced that was the one that had hit the door frame. Mm-hmm. Oh, Okay. Uh, ah. And then just to its right was the shattered window. <clears throat> and then beyond that 
was the patch of woods where other spent rounds would have landed as well. Uh, uh, but they hadn't been found. So Brennan walked around the parking lot, around the building, and over to that patch of woods. And Chestnut was like, what the fuck's he doing? Yeah. <laughs> Where are you going, babe? Do you need a piss? <laughs> but the, the thing is, is that even when you're like, I know who Ken Brennan is, I know he's fucking amazing. Mm. Even in cases like this, he's operating on a whole other level. So yeah. like even... Yeah. Even Chestnut is like, wait, what the fuck? Wait a minute. Why, he why squeeze go, me, he why, said, why, out loud. Why go, why go to the woods? And that's why Ken Brennan is the best fucking detective in the world. Because yeah. he goes waiting, in the woods. I'm waiting for a Batman-Ken Brennan crossover. DC-Ken <laughs> Brennan so, crossover. Ken Brennan then says to Chestnut, something ain't sitting right with me here. Bear in mind, this is the first time he's been to the crime scene. Seven years later, mm. yeah. it's cold as can be, and he's still like, uh, Ken's here. like, I'm going to check out the woodlands. Picking, picking, picking things up, right? So he goes back, reads the files, and then he comes across a witness called Natalie, Al- Natalie Allen's statement. Mm-hmm. And she had seen Thomas. Now, Thomas was the guy that got charged with aggravated assault, not the... Not the uh, shooting. Yeah. Uh, retrieve a gun from under the hood of his car and then run to a spot in the crowd. But do you remember that the gun that they found in Thomas's apartment wasn't a 9mm? Oh, shit. It was a point right. forty. Oh, oh yeah. Here we go. Her statement confirmed that he ran to where those point forty shells were found. And oh, 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 did Brennan have a hunch confirmed? Oh! Amazing. It was as simple as that. Brilliant. Just, I mean, he's... um, ah. So, (laughs) Chestnut Chestnut pointed out that Natalie Allen, the witness who'd made this statement, had said that she'd been Robinson's girlfriend. And and he he said that her story had been considered nothing more than a a smokescreen to shift blame away from him and put it on Thomas, the other guy. Okay. Okay. But Brennan totally disagreed because he said she says here that he got the gun from under the car hood. So I think she's telling the truth because she's very specific about where the gun came from. She doesn't say that he gets a gun from underneath his car or from the back seat or from the trunk. She says he pops the hood. Somebody mm-hmm. who's been arrested, he knows that if cops pull him over, they might toss his car, but they're not going to bother pulling the fucking hood up and taking a look under there. That's something a gang member would do. She's not making that up. Right. Oh man, it's wow. So because that has now further impressed the police guys, they go back to the crime scene the next le- next day and they pull out all the stops to oblige Brendan. Bearing in mind all of the, um, what's the word, resistance he came up against in the other two cases from the investigating police departments. Chestnut gets the fire department to bring out a ladder truck so that they can search surrounding rooftops. For Amazing. Rounds. Yeah, that's great. I love it. Amazing. They used a laser pointer to confirm shooting angles from where those shell casings had been found Whoa! to the damage on the building's front. Yeah. That's so cool. The day was awesome. super hot. It took hours. And in the end, they might not have found any other rounds. Brennan was convinced. And he said, I think there was a shootout here. He said. And he was standing where the .40 caliber shells had been found. Forget about the 9mm ones. He was mm. like, this is where we have to focus. Okay. Right. He says, because I think there were two guys shooting. Right. And then he says to Chris, he says, you know that round you recovered from the doorframe? Have you still got it? 
and they did. And he says, what caliber is it? And he said, nine millimeter. He says, listen, do you mind going back there with me? Let's just check. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think it's a nine millimeter. I think it's a 40. Yeah. Yeah, and he says, I know the property clerk's going to be pissed off digging this shit up from seven years ago. It's a pain in the ass, but please let me do it. Humor yeah. me. It was a 40. Yeah. <gasps> right it was. Goddamn right it was. Oh, man. I'm, I'm in a sleep you. <laughs> so Chestnut had inherited the case from Miller. Remember Tyrese Miller? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he'd been told that the round recovered from the pavement in front of the bar was 9mm, but he'd never checked it for himself because why would he? He assumed that his superior officer, Tyrese Miller, would uh, know the, what course. he was talking about. <clears throat> yeah. He just yeah, gives him right. a bag and he goes, there it is. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so he looks back <clears throat> and even the old evidence sheet had noted that the round had been 40 calibre. He just hadn't checked it. Oh. oh, oh my God. And he was, he started beating himself up and he was like, fucking damn it, I fucking shit. And oh. then Brennan was like, it wasn't even your fucking case to begin with. He put his arm around him. Mm. Yeah. And, and he, he brings was, like, it up real even, close. And he's he like, was like, listen, Chris. Oh, I felt a bit funny there. <laughs> I did as well. I got all jealous. Yeah. yeah <laughs> he was like, listen, listen, it wasn't even your fucking case to begin with. And then he says, but one thing I learned a long time ago. Don't rely on what some cop told you somebody said or what somebody says they did. Find out for yourself. Then you yeah. know it's done because you did it. He's also like a you're, great motivational speaker. Cop. Well, He's I actually co- think, you know? to, go back to, to go back to your Batman analogy, I think Chris Chestnut is like his Robin. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> They're on the road together. Oh, Chestnut yeah. in the sidecar. <laughs> the little motorbike sidecar with his little helmet. <laughs> little goggles. For the last seven years, this whole thing was not what everybody thought it was. Yeah. yeah. So he hadn't been shot at close range by a single gunman. There'd been two shooters, one near mm. him and one across the lot. Shit. And because mm-hmm. there was no evidence of another 9mm around in or around the building, even though one had been fired several times, it thought it meant Brennan suspected that whoever was firing that gun had been aiming at something else, not at Bond. Not you and me, yeah. But the two, because there were two gunmen... Brennan was like, they were shooting at each other. Oh, yeah. Shit. <gasps> yeah. Sure. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Okay. It makes more sense. Mm. So just, over the yeah. next year and a half, Brennan went to Jackson six times. Yeah. And most of the time he was with Chestnut. Um, but he also tracked down dozens of witnesses and he looked for Bond's relatives and friends, including police that had served alongside you and me. Uh, he met Angela, the, the the widow, at the airport in Atlanta. They had a long conversation, and then she took him through everything that she could remember. Right. And he got a better idea of who you and me was, mm-hmm. that he was a friendly guy, he loved attention, maybe tiny bit of a ladies' man. Uh, he right. had suspicions about ties with criminals, drug dealers. But his own impression of you and me went a lot deeper, um, <clears throat> which was that you and me loved being a cop. And that's something okay. that Bren- Brendan could like sympathise with. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, you and me, who I'd got, I actually I don't think I've mentioned it at this point. Uh, but you and me was a black guy. Oh, right. I, that completely Masood. paid a different. Masood. Uh. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, just shuts his camera off. Masood left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he looked so it's, disgusted. It's, it's, it was. Well, I've been. Um, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, uh, it said that because he was because uh, of his race and upbringing, it made him a very valuable policeman as well. Because I see, yeah, because uh, he could bridge the the war between communities. Yeah, uh, people would trust. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah he sure. never liked never liked wearing his gun. Bond never liked wearing his gun. He used to leave it in his patrol car, oh. uh, and that's where it was found on the night of his death. He'd left it in his car. 
Um, he tried to be a, a placator, like uh, mm-hmm. it would always try and sort of like peacefully resolve a situation, try and calm them down, reason with them. And then when everything got out of hand at Spanky's, that's what he would do. He would calm the situation down rather than going in and all guns blazing, because obviously yeah. that's right. what he tried to do by throwing the person out. Yeah. He didn't just interview witnesses. Brennan didn't just talk to these people. He took them on a field trip to the car park. Outside Spanky's. What well, got them all to stand relatively where they thought they might have been? To walk him through their memories. Because he was like, this is going to jog their memory way better. Than yeah, of course. Um, and then, so also, not only that, it was also like a little, uh, he was doing it as a lesson almost to Chestnut. Because it would prove that being at the crime scene not only helped them remember more clearly, it corrected what they'd misremembered. Oh my God. I mean, I don't know why there's not like five million TV shows about ken brennan that's amazing <laughs> that's incredible like i it's so weird because i was like as a cop no, i'm not even a cop if i were a cop i would never even think to be like oh let's take them to the fucking scene well and have them stand yeah. there the, 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 years the, the, later the thing that helped this is that brennan wasn't a cop yeah yeah he's, yeah, he's a private right. detective at this point so he's a, and also he never actually approached people in an aggressive way it was always like um a reasonable one and it was very much that he's on a fact-finding mission he's not here to accuse anybody of lying do you know what i mean so yeah uh, and uh, like women want to be him and men so men men want to be him women want to be with him and the men also don't want him to steal their wives so they so they want to be with him too (laughs) he'd be at the car park with all of these people sometimes they'd say something that didn't make sense and he'd point that out to them he'd be like that doesn't make sense because he never said you're lying. He was yes. like, ah, but the thing is, because blah, blah, blah. And I think maybe, possibly, he was using those seven years that had elapsed as a weapon to be sort of like, uh, do you, we did that, that couldn't have possibly happened. Maybe you're misremembering because it was seven mm. years ago. He, yeah. never, he never once said to anybody, you're lying. Because yeah. maybe they well, weren't, you know, yeah. maybe like. So Charlie Reeves uh, was one of the uncles who was working security that night. He testified against that Michael Robinson guy. Mm-hmm. And then ever since then, Charlie Reeves had tried to avoid speaking to Chestnut in the in the seven years that elapsed. Yeah. So Brennan and Chestnut went to Reeves's house and they stayed in the back seat of Brennan's car yeah. and they sent They made out. They made out for a long time. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. Very tenderly. They sent Brennan's assistant to the door. Mm-hmm. Reeves didn't answer the door. Brennan's assistant walked back out to the uh uh to the uh, what car do you think Brennan was driving? Have a guess. Bugatti, like Andrew Tate, but cool. I feel like a, it's an old, it's an old car, like a I don't know, uh, a Charger or something, a Dodge. It's Charger. a Cadillac. Oh yeah, he drove a Caddy. Yeah, of course he does. Oh, but I love that car. <laughs> so when um uh when Brennan's assistant left the front door, came back to the car, and leaned in to talk to them both. That's when Reeves stepped out and eyed them nervously. So Chestnut was like, oh, he's about to run. I haven't been able to get hold of this guy for seven years. And then he and Brennan got out of the car. In the TV version, we will have him run. Uh, so he'll come out nervously. Dramatic tension. He'll run. And um, Chestnut will chase him. But Brennan will walk calmly around the corner and stick his, his arm out and clothesline him. Uh, and then he'll catch him and he'll lean in. He'll say something cool. And then they'll take him to court. Um <laughs> So Charlie Reeves had been avoiding Chestnut for all this time. Mm. Um, and at this point, they didn't really re- really understand why, because once he started talking, he couldn't fucking stop. And not only was he oh. didn't do that, they were on the front yard, remember, uh, of Charlie Reeves' house. He mm-hmm. 
did a physical reenactment of everything. Jesus Christ! <laughs> like on his front lawn, and um, and then he wet himself. <laughs> he was in the presence of greatness with Ken. Yeah, you would. Uh, so Reeves said that all along he'd been standing right next to Bond when he got shot. So close that one of the bullets had passed right through his jacket. He had holes in his jacket to prove it. But they took him to the parking wow. lot. Brennan was like, ah, yeah, but that doesn't make sense. Oh. Right. Okay. There's no way you could have been right next to him, uh, he said. And then he got a photograph of the crime scene indicating that where Reeves had dropped his sunglasses and bandana and said, whose shit was this? That's mine. The objects were up next to the front wall of the bar, about 10 feet away from the victim. So he's like, well, if you yeah. drop them there, you couldn't have been stood right next to it. Yeah. He pointed out yeah. that Charlie Reeves couldn't be stood where he was, where he said he was stood, because of the crime scene photographs. Mm-hmm. Because Brennan knew that one of the .40 caliber rounds, which had been fired by Thomas had ricocheted off the front door frame and shattered the window yes. and then rested at a okay. pavement nearby. So given where Reeves's things, Charlie Reeves's things have been found against the wall, it made sense that this was the round that had gone through his jacket. Mm. Okay. So Brennan was like, we know you had to be by the fucking window. <laughs> Reeves admitted that this made sense. <laughs> and then yeah. cha- changed his story. He was like, oh yeah, no, no, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. He then yeah. said that the only person close to his nephew, because you remember that um, you and me had hired uh, three of his uncles that were convicted. Oh, and one nephew. Charlie was one of them. Like, yeah. And then a friend of the family called Eric. Yeah. Yes. So mm. Eric was the one that was actually stood next to you and me. Oh. Okay. So Brennan then tried to talk to Steve Thomas. Thomas was the guy that had been charged with aggravated assault, who's had his flat raided. They found the point forty, but discarded it because it wasn't the murder weapon because they thought they were looking for a they nine thought. millimeter. He was mm. the one that was firing the forty rounds fifty feet away from the the the, the, the camp. Mm-hmm. So Brennan tried to find this guy because he'd been released from prison. Anyway, Thomas never showed up to the meeting, uh, and then Thomas's brother phoned Brennan and put him on speakerphone. You were supposed to meet us here. And then Thomas made a bullshit excuse, at which point, because he was on speakerphone, Brennan shouts, what are you, a fucking pussy? <laughs> Get your ass over here like you promised and look me in the fucking eye like a man. Wow. <sighs> yes, yes, yes. Oh. Yes. Ken. Rock hard. That's rock hard. That's what yeah, I Yeah, man. This is amazing. Oh, my God. Silence on the phone. And then, <laughs> Steve, and then Thomas goes to his brother, why is he talking to me like that? Because <laughs> he's Ken fucking Brennan, mother. And Brennan goes, Brennan goes. I'm from New York. I talk like that to everybody. Yeah. Ah, I'm, hey, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to detective around here. Yeah. Thomas never came. Even after that, Thomas never Thomas never came. Uh, oh, he, what he disobeyed. Brennan went around asking, trying to trying to ask a load of people, and uh, at one time he he went to see uh, another witness called Daniel Cole. Who'd, who'd made a statement. He was there that night. He was actually in prison at the time that Brennan was investigating. Uh, yeah. So he went to see Cole at prison and he wasn't very helpful. So he said, Cole was like, my father uh, had been was murdered when I was a kid. Police did nothing about it. Why the fuck should I help you? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, mm. He then wouldn't answer any of Brennan's questions. Not a single one. Brennan was answer, asking all these questions and Cole was just not answering them. Jesus. When Cole did speak... Uh, it was just to make a snide comment about the other witnesses that Brenner had mentioned. And then they were uh, driving away from the prison. Uh, yeah. 
the the detective was like, oh, that was a complete waste of time. And Brennan was like, no, it wasn't. What? Of course it wasn't. Of course it wasn't. And uh, he goes, yeah. what? He didn't tell us a thing. And Brennan goes, yeah. yes, he did. <gasps> and the detective's like, what? What the fuck? What? And then he goes, remember when I brought up Eric Cobb? Eric was the friend of the family that was they figured out was and then stood next to you and me. He said, remember yeah. when I brought up Eric Cobb and said that some people remembered that he had a gun that night? Yeah. Cole said, if fucking Cobb had a gun, he was shooting it. Meaning that Cobb is a trigger-happy son of a bitch. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. So because Cobb was stood right next to you and me, mm-hmm. and they say that he died from a gunshot wound in close proximity, Brennan's now thinking that it's the friend of the family that has stood... All of these bullets are flying everywhere, but Brennan now thinks the guy that was stood right next to him is oh. the one that shot him. Oh, my oh. God. Oh, my God. So, without letting on that he is a suspect, Brennan invites Eric Cobb to the crime scene, as he has done with lots of other people. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Eric Cobb had been a friend of the Bond family for years, had trouble with the law, but you and me had still given him a job. Mm -hmm. And he came along uh, and he walked Brennan through his movements that night. He confirmed that he was stood next to you and me when he'd gone, but he insisted that he'd been unharmed. Because Eric had run back into the restaurant when the bullets had started firing. And he said, as a convicted felon, I'm not allowed to possess a handgun. And Kenneth says, what the fuck are you talking about? There's people who saw you had a gun in your hand. Mm. Yeah. And then Eric says, like, I had a gun that night, but it was only after Bond had been shot. He said, I called uh, my wife to tell her there'd been a shooting at the bar. And she drove over immediately to bring me a gun. And then Brennan <laughs> left him with the other detectives, walked across the car park, straight to a phone, phoned Cobb's wife, Eric's wife. Yeah. She turned up a few minutes later. He asked her if she'd brought her husband a gun that night, and she said no. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Right. Oh, my God. Like, and also, oh, man, that's so cool. Because like, he would have also been like, how long does it take for her to get here? There's no way. And, oh my God, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so in July 2016, so again, this is like over, over a year after he started investigating, almost eight years. No, nine. The... No, it, yeah. yeah, eight years, almost eight years mm. uh, since the murder. Uh, <clears throat> Brennan went back to Jackson for the last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gathered as if it's a fucking episode of Death in Paradise, he gathers (laughs) Deborah Perry, who'd hired him, remember, Mm -hmm. and other Bond family members in a conference room at the hotel. Chestnut was there. The district attorney was there, Jodie Pickens. And uh, Angela, the wife, couldn't make it from Atlanta. That's where she'd moved to. Um, Eric was invited, but he didn't show up. And then Brennan pieced everything together, like painstakingly talked everybody through everything. He sort of like says to them, he says, I do my best thinking early in the morning when I can't sleep. I ruminate about my cases. I try to complete the puzzles. I'm not happy unless everything fits. And then when it does, I'm certain. Yeah. Uh, he says, my process is more than physical evidence and memory. It involves everything I've learned about the people involved and what I know about people in general. And then he was like, and this will lead me to conclude how Eric Cobb killed his good friend, Yumi. Oh. <gasps> Wow. And then that's exactly what everybody did in the conference room. Everybody went, oh, here we go. <gasps> yeah.
including the guy who's changing the water cooler. (laughs) (laughs) The family had shown up with a grudge against the police. Yeah. And then Pickens reminded everybody, which rubbed salt in the wound, that seven years had elapsed since then. And no matter what Brennan had found, his office will be bound by Tennessee statutes of limitations. So then this kicked off an exchange of grievances and Brennan lost his patience. He went, listen, one thing I need all of you to do is be quiet. Listen to what I have to say. I don't want to be interrupted. Not once. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you. All of you suck my dick. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give you a presentation. I'm going to tell you what happened to you and me. And after the end of it, you're going to know exactly what happened. And then when I'm done, you can ask me anything you want. And then the room room quietened down. (laughs) Even the district attorney's like, yeah, I'll shut up. (laughs) (laughs) He walked through everything step by step. Uh, He stopped to point out how he'd reached uh, each of his conclusions. So even though there was like, he was like, and this is how I got to this, and this is how I got to that. Mm -hmm. So So this is, and then he does like the roundup. There was a fight inside the bar. Bond had steered it outside. Steve Thomas went to his car, retrieved the gun from under the hood, and then Brennan explained why he found this testimony believable. The .40 caliber shells found in a group on the lot about 50 feet away showed that shots had been fired from there, and a .40 caliber handgun was found at that site. The damaged front of the bar showed that a round had hit from that direction, and the round recovered from the front was consistent with that gun. The laser pointer had shown how the angles of those shots lined up. Eric had then stepped out the front door to see Thomas approaching with a gun or shooting. And then despite his denial, Brennan was convinced that Cobb had a gun with him, a 9mm. Standing Mm. near the building, he shot at Thomas, returning fire or initiating it. But either way, Eric was the one that was shooting at Thomas. Okay. The peacemaker, you and me, tried Mm. to stop the shooting. (sighs) He reached for his friend's gun and Charlie Reeves had said he'd heard his nephew say, give me the gun. And then the gun, when he was reaching for it from Eric, had gone off. (sighs) Brennan double-checked with the medical examiner to confirm the exact nature of the powder and the burns. The gun would have had to have been fired from no more than two feet away. This also explained Uh... the trajectory of the killing ground. It had travelled downwards through his torso. So if it was from two feet... So it ripped up his organs on the way through. But but if it was from two feet away, it wouldn't have had to have been fired from that high. But the trajectory, if it was from 50 feet away... They'd have had to be on a roof that wasn't there. Yeah. yeah right, gotcha. Okay. Of course. Fucking hell. It also explained why one of the 9mm shells was found below his feet when he fell down. Oh, okay, yeah. It, mm-hmm. it had been fired where he had been standing and then just rolled a little bit. Ah. Uh, because mm-hmm. of the natural incline of the pavement. So. Yeah. And then it, maybe it wasn't clear that Eric had realised in those moments that he'd actually shot him. Because he'd run into oh, the bar. Oh, there's all the gunfire, yeah. He'd run into the bar afterwards to immediately say, oh my God, Chief, Chief's been shot. Yeah. Uh, but Brennan was actually sure that even though Eric might not have known at the time, he came to realise and kept quiet. Mm. Mm. It's the only way this could have happened. Do you have any questions? No one had any questions. They all just looked at him. It made sense. It fit the facts. Mm. And then one of the uncles said, I just want to know why that motherfucker never said anything. <laughs> <laughs> And Brennan was like, listen, be that as it may, this ultimately ends up being an accident. He thought he was doing his yeah. job. He was there for security. He was trying to protect the club and to protect you and me. And then yeah. District Attorney Jody Pickens, like a fucking weasel, pipes up. Yeah. That's a good theory, but it's just a theory. Uh... <laughs> Does he not know who he's dealing with? Yeah. yeah. Shut up, you beta cock. 
and then and then the car right runs out because he knows he's guilty right and he jumps in his car and brennan and chestnut chase him with, with a little sidecar and then what happens yeah. is chestnut gets on the back of the bike with brennan and brennan pulls out a little thing and he's got like a bunch of dynamite in the sidecar <laughs> he pulls the thing out the dynamite goes blows up Cobb's car and as chestnut is holding on to him he's, he's got his hands round ken's waist and he's sure. leaning in just quite tenderly oh and he yeah it's like um where are we going and ken says it doesn't matter and they ride <laughs> off into the sunset and that's how the case happened <laughs> pickens says that's a good theory but it's just a theory and brennan says that's, i can't believe he said that but brennan ignores him turns to the family and goes hey listen i understand where the da is coming from but this ain't no theory. This is exactly what happened. Yeah. Of course it's what happened. Absolutely. I, I'm Ken fucking Brennan. I'm Ken Brennan. <laughs> there's, there's a sign on my office that mm-hmm. says, Ken fucking Brennan. <laughs> do you want to know, do you want, do you want another, another final twist in this case? Oh, oh yes, yeah. Please. Cobb turned out to be you and me. He was dead. <laughs> uh, so, so Chestnut then says, something happened that absolutely floored me in the room, in this conference room. Yeah. Right. Not only does it floor Chestnut, but it totally proves Ken Brennan right. And it totally uh, undermines the district attorney saying it's just a theory. Because right. one by one, almost like Spartacus, the family members say that they knew this all along. What? 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 Hang on. What? Which is, wait, why, wait, which is why they were so reticent when... Do you remember the aunt, Deborah Perry, who was trying yeah. to get this looked into and they were all coming yep. up with bullshit excuses? Yeah. That's why they knew that Eric had... They, yeah, knew. they knew. You fucking knew! <laughs> <laughs> They'd known it for some time. Agreement all round. Brennan yeah. had just basically demonstrably proved it to them that they couldn't say... That it wasn't the case. Oh my God! That's, Jesus! Wow. Holy shit! So yeah, Chestnut says I was so taken aback. Jody Pickens fell out of his chair. Um, <laughs> he got to turn whistle. around to the DA and say, "You were saying." Yeah, and he falls he out slide whistle like uh, like. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> you were saying that's amazing. He just so he, I mean wow. So they. This is one of those things, right, that I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night, tonight or tomorrow night, and I am literally going to go, fuck. <laughs> of course. They don't know whether or not they're just then trying to... Okay, so everybody should check out Mark Bowden's writing. He writes mm-hmm. um, occasionally for something called Airmail. Like, he did used to write for Vanity Fair, and, yeah. now, th- and now I think it's called Airmail. Um, but he has mm-hmm. got this book, The Case of the Vanishing Blonde and Other True Crime Stories which you um, should definitely get if you... I mean, not only is... I think one of the reasons why I fell in love with Ken Brennan is partly because of Mark Bowen's writing anyway. But um, right. uh, what, he says, what he says here is, uh, Jody Pickers fell out of his chair. Uh, like, wait a minute, you've known about this the whole time? They hadn't. The story about Cobb's confession, because apparently the some said that he'd said that he'd done it to a few people while drunk uh, years ago, had been nothing more than a rumour until Brennan... Uh, had carefully reconstructed everything and proved it. Mm-hmm. He congealed it into a certainty. Because if they'd all known, some of them might have done, but if they'd all mm. known, why would they have spent $15,000 putting a reward in? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. They, they, yeah. Why would they have hired Brennan in the first place, all right? So 
Daniel, mm. like uh, Deborah Perry, there's no way that she knew what had happened. But it mm-hmm. does no. explain why some of the family members were cagey when she was asking them for money to pay Brennan. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Wow. So, and she actually says, this is a quote from her. I told Ken at the beginning, I didn't know what happened. He took our case. He didn't have to. He took a little hick town, Jackson, Tennessee, came to check on us little people down here. And then when Brennan finished, her opinion of the police and of Chris Chestnut in particular had a, had improved. They were more okay. attentive to her. They saw that they hadn't just been sitting on my thong, she says. I got all these people involved. Sitting on my thong. I felt totally relieved that Ken had cracked the case. Yes! Kusiad! What a what a what a welcome back as well. I was so <laughs> not you know I love all the cases we do, but every time that that beautiful bastard's name comes up, we're I'm... always like we're always <sighs> like a Lucille in Arrested Development when she sees Jean Parmesan. Jean... <laughs> every time, mustache on top of his mustache, Jean Parmesan has a girl. <laughs> Um, if incidentally um, one one last little thing the uh, uh, Eric won't be uh, done for it no because of statute limitations yeah uh, Mm. so um, there'll be no legal reckoning for the shooting and also because it it was an accident as well yeah um, well yeah yeah it might have been manslaughter manslaughter? originally but it means that um, they know now what happened it's it's a form of closure and that Brings us to the closing chapter in our Ken Brennan trilogy. Ah, oh, so far. Oh my so far. god. You know what? Generally, a little bit welled up a little bit as you said that. I was like, yeah. hopefully, hopefully, we'll get another. And to be honest, it's us. We'll find another excuse to do a Ken Brennan episode. But yeah. hopefully, yeah. Uh, and, and when I say hopefully, I mean maybe it'll be like a, a priceless painting gets stolen. Hopefully, it's not going to yeah. be somebody that dies. But yeah, um, I do. I maybe do hope... Ken Brennan will solve a UFO one. Oh, can you As imagine? the credits roll, um, then there's like, it's the it's black. The screen goes black, and then the one line comes up and stops. Says Ken Brennan will return. <laughs> and <I went> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's like the end of Clerks, where it says Jay and Silent Bob will return in Dogma. <laughs> what um what you just uh, what you just said, Suze, made me think. What if Brennan's the one that ultimately brings Trump? There? <laughs> oh, that'd be oh, amazing. <sighs> For a no. while, I thought it was going to be Michael Avenatti, but it turned out he was a letdown. Get Brennan on the other hand, never, Get never, Brennan never. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Oh. <laughs> I just want to hear him say that. <laughs> oh, oh. I want Ken Brennan yeah. to find the piss tape. Yeah, oh, no, he's got it. Ken Brennan has it on his book. Ken Brennan, yeah, he's, he's like, got it. I'll release it when the time's right. When the time's right, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Chris. Uh, guys, if you've enjoyed this, there's so much bonus stuff we're back now we're back uh bonus stuff on our patreon patreon.com slash mystery on the rocks there's various tiers it's nearly it's past midnight now so you go Mm -hmm. fucking look at it go look Uh, go fucking look at it uh check us out on twitter and you can whatever so but we are back uh subscribe leave us a review five star review because it really helps other people find out about this podcast don't keep us to yourselves Yes. Yeah, don't make us our your our your dirty little secret. Yeah, make it make us everybody's secret. That was our little anniversary special because we are oh. four. 
That's right. Four years, years old. old. What a fourth um, birthday present that is. Yeah. Ah, yes. Mm, mm, we can delicious. legally drink. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a treat. Thanks, oh, everybody. Thank you. Everybody. And thank you, Chris. And thank you, Ken. And thank you, Masood. And um, we will be back shortly with yes. more Mystery on the Rocks. Uh, season yes. six proper. Yeah, it started. But all that remains to be said is... <gasps> Bye! decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer it streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy mail checks invoices legal documents and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.